On this week's Nationals Talk podcast, a Nationals legend returns, another big name is signed, and we hear from Aaron Barrett and what he had to overcome mentally to get back to the major leagues. Big one coming up next, Chase Hughes, Nick Ashew. The Nationals Talk podcast starts right now. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Swing it away, drive, base hit right field. Max Scherzer has done it again. Do you believe it, Howie Kendrick? Part two. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. The Nationals now continue to make moves, Chase, it seems like every single week. So we have fresh material every single podcast, which is great because there was a point where you and I were sitting there going, good Lord, something happened. Like, you know, the gif where it's like the little cartoon stick figures and they just poke the other one. Do something. That was the Nationals. For it's like been like right after every time. episode we record, too. It's like we record yeah. one, and then later that afternoon, they sign someone. And, and this time, it's actually two. One is an old face. One is a new face. I would like to point out real quick that there are two signings now the Nationals have made that I've said they should sign on this very podcast. So clearly, Mike Rizzo listens to us, Chase, and clearly <laughs> he has taken my advice to heart. But we'll start with Ryan Zimmerman coming back. And I know you said that I can't get emotional about this and got to think about it just from baseball, but I'm not going to. At some point, I will bring the sentimental part into this. But look, we can look at this first just from a baseball move, and you're, you're bringing in depth and you're bringing in veteran leadership. There's certainly a lot more to it than that. But for one year and one million, this is a, this is a great situation for the Nationals. Well, we got to evaluate it as a baseball move. But first of all, can we just say, like, can we just – celebrate this move real quick i mean ryan zimmerman's back on the nationals that's awesome you told me not to get sentimental and now you're getting sentimental Uh, the question was take the sentimental part out of the equation and evaluate it as a baseball move but come on first you have to acknowledge the obvious that's what i was trying to do and now you've taken the rules and you've spun them around (laughs) what you do well i I, this is this is cool really cool i mean because i I don't think it was by any means a foregone conclusion that he would play again at all and that he would play for the nationals after all this time off um there are probably a lot of fans out there who have like literally grown up watching ryan zimmerman maybe can for from as early as they can remember he was on the nationals uh you know maybe in 2005 they weren't even born yet some listeners of this podcast ryan so zimmerman feel is, old when you do that makes me feel old don't do that <laughs> i know kids get born every day but it doesn't make me feel younger yeah well ryan zimmerman makes us all feel old when you really think about uh you know how far he's come but this guy uh you can't imagine him in any other uniform he's back with the nationals and the role on paper makes so much sense i mean the guy hasn't played in a year so we'll see what he still has but we've talked about it ever since they traded for josh bell that they need a backup first baseman ideally who can hit lefties because that's a a weakness of josh bell's yes it is and someone who can play defense and he does all of those things and look i've also been clamoring for them to add a power bat on their bench they did that with this signing and they got a guy who happens to have a lot of clutch hits in his past So if you're in the ninth inning and, you know, maybe it's a lefty reliever or someone that Ryan Zimmerman has a good track record against, and you can look down the bench and say, I need a pinch hit 
right here, or, you know, I need a defensive replacement at first base. Now you can call on Ryan Zimmerman, uh, who's been there, done that. Now I will say uh, you got to keep in mind, he's been out of the game a long time. I don't know what type of resources he had to train during obviously in a very unusual time during the, yeah, the well, pandemic. We haven't seen any videos on Instagram. So that means he obviously wasn't working out chase. You know, the well, rules. that's, that's true. That is also definitely not Ryan Zimmerman's style. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although I will say uh, it seems like he's come back funnier. Did you see that press conference of his? He was like, they were like, well, how are you going to play after all the time off? He's like, well, honestly, if I could take 11 months off between every season, that would be great. Well, and then remember, he joked about all the leverage he, he like had. Play, yeah, he like playing in spring training. So this is great for him. He's going to be fresh. He may hit 30 home runs this year. He may. And he talked about all the leverage that he had in jest because he had zero leverage and all the teams that were interested in him. Uh, he didn't drive the best bargain. But the fact that you have Ryan Zimmerman, as accomplished as he is, willing to accept this role, uh, is a pretty unique situation and really a luxury for the Nationals. He becomes a compliment to Bell, which is a great thing because when you have somebody that's as accomplished as he is, like you pointed out, that now becomes a bench player for the first time in his career and has the opportunity to go in in important moments where you know that you can count on him. Granted, he's got to be healthy, but obviously with a smaller role, playing fewer games, having more time and resting, he's not going to rest 11 months, but he's clearly going to be resting a lot more between games or at bats. This is somebody that provides a ton of depth for them. And it's look I, I, I from yes, a sentimental value. I'm glad he's back, but from just a baseball perspective, this now adds more depth to this team. And yeah, listen, who knows? Maybe it ends up being a couple of years. I, I know he says he doesn't think that this is going to be his farewell tour, uh, that can certainly be debated because the Nats maybe would see it that way. I don't know if they're seeing this as a, a one-year thing or Chase this becomes two more years that he's here. He plays till he's 40. I, I, I don't know. It really What that really becomes is it's really up to Ryan Zimmerman. How healthy is he? Well, that's not totally up to him, obviously. Nobody actually wants to get hurt, but you, know, you get the idea. But how, like how he plays, how he performs in those moments, if they know they can put him into the bottom of the eighth inning and they need a big hit and he's delivered two or three times, let's say, throughout the season or whatever it is, and then in the offseason, you're looking to get another one-year, $1 million contract or whatever that case is, you know as the Nationals that you can count on him in those small moments, and that could be the difference in him even staying another season. Yeah, I mean, you can't rule it out. Certainly right now it looks like a year-to-year -year thing because that's what it's been the last few seasons. But Which, by the way, it should be. They, there's yeah. no way they should be signing anything more than one-year deals with him. That's the smart right. move. And he's cool with it, and he's embracing the role. And if he finds success in that backup role, then why can't it go beyond the season? And by the way, it'd be nice if it did because I don't think we're going to have fans in the ballpark again another season. I mean, maybe they have some in there. We're, we're you know, watching NFL games where the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs allow a certain amount of fans um, in their stadium, but it all depends on the jurisdiction you're in and, and the local government. Um, I, I don't know. It seems like it's a little bit too early to tell in that regard with the nationals. Um, but you've got a guy who's a former all-star, you know, his nickname is the face of the franchise and he's willing to be, uh, his nickname is also Mr. National. He's willing to be say, a bench he's got player. Like five nicknames. And they all he's got a lot of nicknames. Yeah. Zim, uh, he's got a lot of nicknames, but yeah, he's willing to be the backup. And I think the question is like, how much is he going to play? Because Josh Bell is penciled in as the starter. And if you look at Josh Bell's track record, he's like uniquely durable. He's averaged 150 games a season, uh, 2017 through 2019. Last year, he played 57 of 60 possible games. Um, so if both are healthy, it might be a little bit difficult to find Ryan Zimmerman playing time, but 
where he could fit in beyond being a pinch hitter and uh, you know a defensive replacement is maybe a guy you start against left-handers. Uh, you know, Josh Bell uh, has an OPS. If you look at his career splits, uh, it's it's uh, about 825. Uh, against right-handed pitchers and around uh, the low sevens against lefties. Ryan Zimmerman, conversely, is uh, 917 against lefties. His OPS against right-handers is below 800. So there could be a pretty good trade-off there. But then, you know, sometimes it gets into the uh, the, the area where you want to get, get a guy in rhythm and, and make sure they're getting enough at-bats to stay in rhythm. And if Josh Bell's your starter and he can hit 35, 40 homers, you don't want to take him out of the lineup. Um, but I think what's interesting about Ryan Zimmerman are two things. One, this role that he's now in, which is a new role, even though we've seen him kind of is this um, secondary player, the expectations are going to be so low for him that they're going to be easy to exceed. They're not really asking him to do much. So he can kind of play his way into baseball shape and his timing as the season goes on and maybe start more games as the season goes on. Secondly, though, if you're Josh Bell, don't you think it's going to be an interesting dynamic having Ryan Zimmerman behind you? Like if you go into a hitting slump and Ryan Zimmerman's been playing okay, uh, the pressure could Are you be dialed up a little a controversy? Bit. You're starting a first base controversy, Chase? Well, I mean, it's like almost like the backup quarterback syndrome, but the guy behind you is literally the most popular player in team history. Look, it's not crazy, but I would say this. Every guy goes into a slump at some point during a baseball season, and hopefully Josh Bell isn't in position where – one slump makes him suddenly look over his shoulder. But you're right. Like, that, that is a dynamic that I don't know. Like, unless you actually are inside his head, you don't know how he would react to those moments. The problem that I have is that you could have them both play more if we were going to have the DH. But you sent me a tweet that I missed that totally ruins that, at least for right now. John Heyman reporting that uh, Major League Baseball memo says that the union has rejected a deal for the DH and expanded playoffs. And let, let's put playoffs aside for a second. That's a whole other conversation. That was a good decision, by the way. The, no, first off, I actually agree with you on that. But there are also players that could all... I don't know why players wouldn't want expanded playoffs when you have playoff bonuses. Like, that's just easier for you to get your bonus. I, or the DH. I mean, it's just more jobs and more money. Well, the, the DH should be happening. It doesn't make any sense. First off, you know what? I hate pitchers hitting. I don't care. There's like four that can hit. It really doesn't matter. Like the whole concept of like, it's great to watch the strategy. It's boring. Give me a guy that can go up there and rake home runs. That's way more fun. Give me a guy that actually I, hits I, for a I living. Like, I like the way it's set up where you have unique rules in both leagues. I like the double switch. I like, no the, I like the strategy in the NL. I just like it. They are one. The problem is they're one league. They're major league baseball. They just have two separate sides and it's just dumb that one side has one, but they don't have like separate commissioners for each one. You have one commissioner. And then I, th I think every, I think every sport Nick should have something similar in basketball, like in the Western conference, there should be a designated free throw shooter. <laughs> designated three point shooter. It does sound kind of ridiculous, by the way, it does sound kind of ridiculous if a league wanted to institute that, like this has obviously been grandfathered in from, you know, long before we were alive. Uh, you know, the DH has been around a while, decades. But um, yeah, what if what if the NFL or the NBA was like, you know what, we want to model that in some form or fashion? Well, the NFL has a designated field goal kicker and a designated punter. Sometimes yeah, they have so kickoff maybe specialists. That, maybe the so. AFC should not have a designated field goal kicker. 
Right. And like the backup it, it, quarterback it, should have to kick field goals. And it, and it would be stupid when teams play and then you have to go with one league's rule depending on who's at home or the other. It's dumb. There should be a DH all the way across. But it would give Ryan <laughs> Zimmerman more opportunity and it would give players more opportunity. Edgar Martinez was a great DH and his career was prolonged because of that opportunity. There's a lot of players whose careers have been extended because of the DH. I don't understand why players don't want that. But it would have been a perfect scenario for the Nationals if you could plug Ryan Zimmerman in there, not even every single game, but at least a couple of times a week, and maybe he plays first base for half of a game. Like, there's just more opportunity there for him. Speaking of more jobs uh, around baseball, you see they're talking about expanding the league again. I mean, this is always a conversation, but I saw some of the cities. Danny Ruye was tweeting about it. It's like Vegas, Charlotte, Montreal. Right. I mean, now Montreal is all, in Vegas. we're always talking about Montreal, but Vegas, yeah, that baseball in Vegas time, would be right? cool as long as it's in, in a dome. Yeah, now, but now everybody wants to be in Vegas. Like, that's the thing, right? It was like, everybody was scared, but now that betting is legal all around the country, it's like, well, now we can be in Vegas. That's fine. It, I, I would sports love in, it. I think more sports in Vegas would be great. Oh, sports in Vegas. I'm not even like a gambling person, but going to the summer league, the NBA summer league's an amazing event to go to if you ever get the chance. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's only getting bigger out there, and our, our former colleague Tim Murray's out there with Beeson, and he would just love it even more. We would just have him on here all the time to talk about baseball in Vegas. But, yeah, <laughs> I, look, they, there, there are certain cities that should have more sports. Nashville should have more teams. Uh, Vegas should have more teams. The Montreal thing, no. That, they can kick rocks. Like, they, they tried it, and it didn't work. And then they're talking about what, like, the, the, the Rays playing half their games up there. Yeah, that's really going to work. That makes a lot of sense, but – See, now you got me off on a tangent because all I wanted so was – Your team, no baseball in Montreal? Yeah, Everyone why? wants to see the Expos return. They're a hockey on, town. Man. They don't care about baseball. Huh? I said that, that they're, everyone they're wants to see the Expos town. come back just because the jerseys were awesome. Well, then you know what we can do? We can have the Nationals wear the Expos jerseys as a throwback. That's how it should be. We don't want to see the Expos come back because who cares? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's talk about Brad. You Hayes. really, you really. We're, we're not going to agree on this. Hold on, no, 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 no. This is way more important. See, there's the, the, now, now you want, you really want baseball in Montreal. You really care. Yeah, because I know Ben Raby, and it would mean a lot to him. He's a friend of mine. He's been on this podcast <laughs> okay, before. He's see, from Montreal. <laughs> okay, well, at least he's such a nice it's because guy. of a friend, and that's what matters. <laughs> the Nats did sign uh, Brad Hand, though. Another one-year deal. This has been their thing. They're just handing out one-year deals. So every single person that a pun? on the was roster that is in a contract pun? year. So You know what? It wasn't, but it did turn out perfectly. I, I feel like that's more of your role. You're the one with the bad puns. But this one is yeah. just too easy, they, man. They, like, I'm just wondering, like, what? They like, just Like, the Nationals Twitter account now has a player named Hand and a player named Bell. And you know they're going to take advantage of that. Uh, look, puns are not my thing. That's more your thing. So I'm going to let you come up with the puns, the bad puns for that if you want to do it. But another guy in a one-year deal, it's a show-me deal. It's a contract year for him. I absolutely love this. But remember, Chase, 
I said two of the free agents I wanted them to sign, Kyle Schwarber and Brad Hand. So it's clear Mike Rizzo is listening. So, Mike, <laughs> if you're listening right now, um, if you could go out and get Trevor Bauer, because I still really want him in D.C. so we can have him on the podcast because he's wildly entertaining. But, look, I love this. He led the majors with 16 saves in 2020, which is weird to use that phrase, led the majors with 16 saves. But given how the truncated season, that's what you get. But he he's somebody that is going to be – I think really important to their future where hopefully he has a good year and they're able to work out something more long-term because he's been an all-star three times already. He's been one of the best relievers over the last five years. They desperately needed that lefty. They've accomplished all of the things they needed to do in their bullpen by signing Brad hand. Yeah. I mean, they needed a lefty reliever and by a lot of accounts, they got the best one on the market. Um, Last year had a 205 ERA. You mentioned led the league in saves Uh, 30 plus saves the two years before that. Uh, he's a closer. I didn't think they needed a closer, but now he comes in with the resume that would suggest that you put him in the ninth inning when it calls for it. I mean, sometimes Davey Martinez will pitch his closer, his quote unquote closer in the seventh or the eighth inning. But this guy's used, used to pitching in the ninth inning or in extra innings. And if you look at like Fangraphs, for instance, uh, keeps a depth chart of every team. It's a really handy resource, especially if you're doing podcasts like this and you need to remember all the moves that they've made in an offseason. But they have Brad Hand as their closer. So um, he's a guy who has one of the best sliders in baseball. He actually uses it for the majority of his pitches. If you look at his uh, pitch profile on fan graphs, um, you know, since 2016, he's got a 27 ERA, a 157 ERA plus strikeout strikes out a lot of batters. And, you know, beyond the statistics, um, he also has a pretty cool nickname. Nick, I was looking at baseball reference. You know, they keep nick, they keep track of nicknames. Like it, it's kind of this yeah, obscure this gonna, part of gonna, the page. Is it going to be a hand? Is it a hand no, pun? Is it, that what we're getting here? I, I need, I actually would love to know the origin of it. It's Brotato, like potato. That I don't is know, a great nickname. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from, but I kind of want to know the story behind it. I I feel like that's the most important question we could ask him is, <laughs> why are you called the Brotato? Like, I, I don't, what would we even... Like, if you were to come up with a scenario where that nickname would make sense, I don't even know if I could come up with a scenario that would make that nickname make sense. Not in, like, a, maybe a, he has a – Not in, like, a baseball context. Had a, a, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe in college he had a potato cannon and was shooting it at a fraternity party, so he was a bro-tato. Like, or maybe he grew up, you, you know, what you know a, on a farm and, like, he threw potatoes, and that's how he got good at pitching. <laughs> but where's the bro part? Where does that come from? Maybe it start. I don't know, maybe because Brad – it st- starts with his name no and then it, yeah i don't know it, 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 it that's do, why i need to know the story you, behind it do you know what a, a what a potato cannon is uh i thought they were called potato guns but yeah uh you can call them either one but it's it, the device that shoots potatoes like a cannon, yeah basically oh yeah yeah they're really yeah my cool. friend my they're friend fun. growing up who was kind of a pyro uh and always had fireworks he made one of those one time and it it was something he launched a potato yeah. like it must have been like two football fields. Oh, it's unbelievable what those things can do. And they're yeah. also probably dangerous if you get hit oh, by a potato. So the last thing I want to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have no idea how you get a nickname like that. But at some point, we're going to do research and we're going to figure it out. But you did bring up something that is important. Uh, talking about him being a closer, that to me is his ideal role. And it kind of drops everybody down to earlier innings with Daniel Hudson and then Tanner Rainey now as a setup, man. I really like that. And Will Harris, like I, I, I feel much more comfortable now with him as the closer and then everybody else kind of slotting down a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, they've got more depth, at, at least in terms of high-end relievers, and I think they've had in a long time. I mean, all four of those guys are intriguing. Will Harris, Daniel Hudson, uh, great track records before last season, of course. I'm not going to write them off. Will Harris was so good for so long in Houston. Um, you got to expect him to be, you know, be in the mix this year. Uh, Tanner Rainey has an extremely high ceiling. I mean, he was one of the most positive developments of last season, what was just such a strange season. But he's really coming into his own as a guy who can throw high 90s, uh, can throw strikes now, can really pound the zone and, and sort of intimidate uh, opposing lineups, uh, sort of the, the traditional high octane reliever. And in Brad Hand, now they've got a guy who could do it from the left side. So uh, Davey Martinez has a lot of different options and there's enough high end depth at the top that, you know, may, it's always going to be interesting with relief pitchers and in your bullpens, some guys can get injured. Some guys just have off years, but you, you got four different options. Yeah. So unless something like completely awful goes wrong, uh, they should be in pretty good shape in the later innings for sure. So if you were to put the best possible if you were to look at the way they would set up those later innings, would you go Hudson, Rainey, Hand? Because I feel like that's the way I'd go. Rainey was was showing a lot of development as the closer. So if you drop him down to the eighth, I feel like that's still a good slot for him. I think I'd put Hudson as the middle reliever, uh, Harris seventh inning, Rainey eighth, and Brad Hand ninth. Uh, Fangraphs actually has Harris as the middle reliever. And Rainey is the setup guy. I mean, it's it's going to change. Yeah, um, the thing is, it's not going to be the same. The whole yeah, season. it's it's gonna it's gonna revolve and evolve over the course of the season. Um, but Will Harris was just so good as a setup man previously that I, I I'd like to see him in the seventh or the eighth inning. And Rainey, I think we're just all excited to see what he can do after last season because he yeah. looks like, you know, maybe Brad Hand is your closer to start the season, but your hope is that Tanner Rainey turns into uh, a, a pretty high level closer around baseball, maybe a potential all-star someday. I'm not ready to call their bullpen a strength yet because we've been burned too many times over the years and had too many conversations about the nationals bullpen and they need to add X, Y, Z or the nationals bullpen and where they rank. And it's usually at the bottom of the major leagues or, but I will say this is not a weakness anymore. And it better not be a weakness with the talent that they do have there and the positions that everybody can slot into. And again, we've run down a couple of different scenarios. There's multiple ways this will probably shake out in the later innings, but they've given themselves depth and they've given themselves selves options. And y- you really can't get anything better than that, considering the position that they've been in over the years. Yeah. I mean, I think this is the best bullpen they've had on paper going into a season in, in quite a while. I mean, we're used to, kind of being under this understanding that it's a weakness and they'll likely address it by the trade deadline, depending on how the season goes. And Mike Rizzo, Mike Rizzo happens to just usually add like two to four guys and some of them work out. Some of them don't. I mean, even the year they won the world series, he brought in Daniel Hudson, Hunter Strickland. Um, You know, he, he usually kind of figures this out on the fly. Now he's got a really good foundation to work with. And it doesn't seem like he's had to spend a ton of money to get that, Uh, in order. So if they want to make upgrades during the season, they can go from what looks like to to be a pretty good bullpen to maybe one, a a very good bullpen, or maybe one of the better ones in the league, depending on how aggressive they want to get. So I just like the starting point they're at, because we're used to just having so many questions in the later innings, like, okay, well, maybe they got a closer, but who's the setup man? Uh, Who's going to pitch the seventh inning? You know, there's a competition in spring training, now you've got so many options. Uh, it's really going to come down to uh, secondary questions like 
You know, who are your middle inning relievers? What's your depth look like? Uh, who's your long man? Um, who's a spot starter? Um, so I really like the foundation that they've built and it's just kind of a nice change of pace because I feel like they're not going to be blowing as many games in April and May as we're used to seeing them uh, because of their bullpen. And maybe that'll lead to a better season because those games count just as much as the ones in September do. If I told you after their last game of that horrible 2020 season that they would add John Lester, Brad Hand, Kyle Schwarber, and Josh Bell, what would you say about that offseason? Because I love it. I feel very good about the moves they've made. Yeah, no, I love this offseason that they've had too. I mean, I think our last podcast, I might have said, uh, you know, they got a B plus. Brad Hand, I think, puts it over the top. They've got an A offseason. I think they've had one Ooh, of the they, best they missed the A minus and they've gone right to an A. Oh, yeah, they skipped the minus. Yeah. Skipped right over it. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a prospect who went from double A to the majors. No need for triple A this time, all right? Now, uh, yeah, this is, this is an offseason where they've addressed every major need already while other teams are still kind of playing catch up. And they did it without giving up that many prospects or spending that much money. You know, I've seen some projections that put it around like 30 million that they've spent. And if they want to add pieces, it's a foundation that they've built for their bullpen, but also their lineup and the rotation so that now they go into the, the season and there's just no, there's no obvious hole that like they're going to have to address at the trade deadline. And whatever they do from here on out is just going to augment what they already have. So I, I would put them right now firmly in the, in the race to win the division. Obviously, the Braves are a really good team, uh, but I think they've separated themselves from the Mets and the Phillies and the Marlins. The Marlins are pretty good last year. I think they're, they're at worst right now, the second most talented team in the division with a chance to topple the Braves, who obviously have had a, a firm stronghold on the division the last few years. And they're still $17 million under the luxury tax. So, like, they can still address needs, like <clears throat> third base. They can <clears throat> figure that out if they want. <laughs> There's still the option for them to be able to do that, get another defensive infielder if they want. Like, they, they have options now. Now, granted, these are all guys that they've signed. It, you also then go, okay, are they going to stick around after this season? So that becomes then you're, you're, you're almost in a similar position next year. I'd like to see them get some youth on this roster as well. But given what they have done right now in the circumstances, it's clear they want to get back to the postseason. This isn't a let's take a step back. Let's, let's build up our farm system again. Let's try and grow and let's look for two years down the road because our GM and our manager, we assume the manager is also on a three-year deal. That's not the case. Rizzo is like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to address needs we have now. And look, man, I know I say it all the time, Chase, but in Rizzo we trust and it should be everybody's mantra. Yeah, I think Mike Rizzo has clearly been given enough money by the learners to build a competitive roster and continue to operate this offseason like he normally would like if you just look at the moves that they've made at least in the clubhouse obviously there's been some things that the team has done you know like in their business department making layoffs and stuff like that where they've you've seen kind of the the constraints of the coronavirus and what it's done to the league's finances but as far as baseball goes they've operated like it's any other winner and if you're a fan uh, obviously you've got to, you got to like that and just understand that not every team is doing that. And the nationals won a world series and they're trying to win another one. And I, I give them credit for that. Obviously last year was a strange year. I, I wouldn't say that they weren't serious about winning, but just a lot of things went wrong and they, they seem like they're more serious this off season in how they're adding to the roster. Now last off season, they had to take care of Steven Strasburg, obviously, and give him an extension. Now they're addressing their needs in a very aggressive way. 
And I like that because uh, baseball has become a sport in the last 20, 25 years where it's really, really difficult to replicate success. I mean, there hasn't been a repeat champion since Derek Jeter and, you know, Jorge Posada and Andy Pettit in those Yankees teams in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Which is amazing to think, by the way. That's yeah, incredible I incredible mean, to be able to think that. You saw the Giants win, what, three rings with Madison Bumgarner and Buster Posey and all those guys, but there hasn't been anyone else who's really been able to sustain success. I mean, we saw the Phillies win the World Series and get back the next year. No one even really gets back. So the Nationals continuing to try to, you know, push the ball down the field and try to get it back in the end zone, to use a football metaphor, um, I think is refreshing to see. And, you know, you just got to feel fortunate as a Nationals fan that your team is doing that because there's a lot of other teams and a lot of other owners and a lot of other uh, front offices that probably would have torn things down. And sometimes that's worked. You know, we've talked about the Boston Red Sox when they win a world series, they like immediately go into a rebuild. And then like three years later, they win it again. So I don't know what the right formula is, but at least the nationals are trying, you know, what they uh, still have to address though. Right. Other than Carter Keeboom. <laughs> what no, is that? Other. Max Scherzer's contract. Haven't heard much about that recently. I don't, they don't have to address it. I mean, I, they I, don't have to, but it's a, it's, it's going to be, if, a talking if you were point. Max Scherzer, would you sign a deal right now? Wouldn't you wait? It does. Last time you bet on Chase. yourself, you were in 210 million in, in free agency after the he, Detroit Tigers sort of lowballed you. He's not 30 anymore. Yeah, but he might, he might be pitching into his forties. He might be okay. the next Nolan Ryan in that regard. So I'm just saying we've seen injuries creep in over the last couple seasons with him just a little bit. You never know, but that's going to be certainly a conversation that's going to continue throughout the season until they figure that out. If they figure it out, I wouldn't sign a deal after a down year like he did. I'd go. Oh no, I'm it. not saying that he should, and I'm not saying that they will. All I'm saying is because that has not been addressed, it quote unquote needs to be addressed, and it's going to continue to be a conversation. We, well, hey, we can talk about it all we want. I don't expect it to be addressed just because of Max Scherzer's history and the fact that he could probably earn another big-time contract if he has a good season. And that's what I'm saying, Chase. It's going to be all year. Get ready. All year, and I'll bring it up every <laughs> podcast just to piss you off. That's my goal. All right, coming up, a headstrong conversation with Aaron Barrett. All month long, NBC Sports Washington has been putting the spotlight on men's health in a series called Headstrong. In this segment, presented by Innovation Health, we got a chance to hear from Aaron Barrett about his well-documented comeback from both Tommy John surgery and a horribly broken arm. And it starts with Barrett talking about the initial injury and how his journey began. Things were going so well with my Tommy John surgery. I was, um, you know, weeks away from, actually, I was about 10 days away from going on my major league rehab assignment. That's how close I was to getting back to the major leagues for my Tommy John and um, when that moment happened where I broke my arm, you know, I honestly, I mean, I went into shock and, and it was, uh, it was such a traumatic event and just dealing with that coming back, you know, it, it took a whole year for the, for the bone to heal itself. It, throwing a baseball was, wasn't even on my mind. Um, you know, there were just there's so many grueling days of rehab and uh i mean painful painful days um that i'll that i'll never forget and you know i i mean i i we look back at the videos you know uh, of my rehab and pictures and it's just it's just crazy to me um you know what what i had to go through to uh to just be able to to get full functionality of my, of my, of my elbow again. And again, um, 
you know, I, I said I, I had some really, really dark days, some really, really tough days, you know, not, you know, not wanting to go to rehab or not ever knowing, um, you know, if I'd ever play baseball again, let alone be able to just throw a baseball. If we were blessed to have a child, be able to even throw a baseball to, to my, to my child one day. And, um, you know, we were able, we were so fortunate and blessed to be able to have, um, you know, my wife became pregnant and that motivation that we had, um, completely changed you know it's it's like now my only focus is I just want to be able to hold hold my daughter in my in my right arm like that was that was now my new my new motivation you know I didn't care about throwing a baseball I didn't care about making it back like that was my number one um but until you know the bone healed and and I was able to get further along the rehab process that was when when I actually started thinking about being able to throw a baseball again and uh you know those days just kind of turn in the weeks and the weeks turn in the months and I just tried to take if I could get a little bit better this day if I can get a little bit better that day you know and just literally my whole process and I mean it was a four-year process of can I get a little bit better today and just try to simplify it I mean it sounds crazy but if you simplify it that much can I get a little bit better today that was my process and um you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's ended up work paying off for me. So September first, the rosters expand, and I actually, I actually kind of got let down because I, I thought that you know, based on the year that I had, and things are going well, if I had any sort of shot at getting called to the major leagues, would be September first when the rosters expanded. Well, the rosters expanded, and I'm waiting around. I'm excited. I'm like man, I got a good feeling. Um, and it just didn't happen. And I was like, man, like, Oh, then my wife was like, you know, positive, you know, obviously, um, you know, hers just continuing to say positive no matter what she's like, well, maybe they'll call you up after playoffs, you know, like they want you to stay down there, write it out. Cause Harrisburg at times in playoffs. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. That's yeah, you're right. So, uh, two days go by, come have a workout and I go in and, um, you know, so I had my little let down, but you know, okay, it's time to get back to work. And, and that's when the team meeting happened and, and Lee, Matt Lee Croy gave me the news in the, in the viral video. I'll just, um, I was shocked. I was shocked. Obviously <laughs> it's, it's a moment that I'll never forget for sure. Being able to, be swarmed by my teammates and again it, you look back at it you know it gets me a little little choked up just uh just knowing how how much time and and relentless hours that I put in to just not only throw a baseball but you know just everything um it makes those moments so worth it and um just incredible. It's, it's, it's a surreal moment. I can't really explain to you in words, uh, how that felt. Um, but it was, it was, it was just such a surreal moment, super emotional. Obviously I called my wife afterward. We just both started bawling crying and called my parents. And obviously it's just, uh, just a moment we'll, we'll never forget for sure. 
Yeah, it was clearly a moment he'll never forget and really a moment and a story that we all won't forget, which is what makes this so great. Coming up next, here's what Barrett had to say about what it took just mentally to overcome those four years. I feel like I've, I've been pretty mentally strong, um, you know, throughout, throughout my life, you know, but the brain is, the brain is, is so powerful. Um, you know, it, it, it can, uh, it can trick you sometimes. And if, if you true, if you think one way, your body's going to react to it. It's going to respond that way. And, you know, um, very fortunate enough to, you know, be able to work with some, some great mental coaches. Um, you know, ours, Mark Campbell, uh, is literally one of the best, um, that I've ever met. And, you know, I was able to work with him early on through my Tommy John surgery. And, you know, he, he, he really, really helped me a lot. Um, and he's, you know, he has a great background, obviously. Um, you know, he was, uh, he's worked with wounded warriors and that right there, I think gave me right out of the gate, a great perspective, you know, I still have my right arm, you know, obviously there are stories that he was, that he's told me about, you know, some of the military men and women, you know, losing limbs. And, um, again, that's the, the perspective comes back, you know, I'm playing baseball, you know, I'm playing a game for a living and things can always be worse. You know, no matter, no matter how you look at it, in your life, you know, whatever you're doing, things can always be worse. Life can always be worse. And just having that in the back of my mind, you know, when I was having my really, really, really bad days, you know, I always just told myself it can be worse. It could, it, it could a hundred percent be worse, you know? And, uh, you know, just realizing, getting back to realizing what I had, um, you know, just, being able to to count my blessings um having that in the back of my mind helped me remain positive um it's it's not easy it's it's definitely not easy there i i told you i had some really really bad days but um just finding it in within myself and and just surrounding myself with positive people you know that's also another another huge takeaway you know, if you have some people in your life that are going to bring you down or um, that are negative, it, it's going to create that negative attitude on you as well. And uh, I've been very fortunate enough to be surrounded by a lot of positive people, a lot of positive family members. And uh, that that right there is 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 huge. You know, if you wake up every day with a positive attitude, ready to get after the day am I going to get better today or, or am I going to take a step backwards? Um, that was my mindset. And, um, you know, it's just mentally the brain is, is, uh, is just a huge, huge part of it. And, you know, um, you have to train your brain as well as your body that that's for sure. Uh, four years is a long time to overcome anything, let alone what he had to go through. There's no question about it. And uh, coming up next, here's what Aaron had to say about his first game back on September 7th, 2019. Something I've been dreaming of, you know, it, it gets me a little choked up thinking about it. Um, I've been I've been dreaming, you know, my whole life to to play in the major leagues and <clears throat> finally did it in 2014. and. Um, 
that was something that was something I'll never forget. Ian Desmond was so cool uh, when he did this for me. So he actually, he actually pulled me aside. I was going a hundred million miles an hour and not necessarily taking my debut for granted, but it was, it was a tie game in the ninth inning on opening day, 2014. And for him, he pulled me aside and we did kind of a, a kind of a circle and kind of just scanned the entire uh, stadium together and he patted me on the butt and said, you only get one, one debut. Uh, go ahead, make the most of it. Have some fun. And for him to, like, take that moment um, and for, you know, to give me that time to cherish it, you know, and to uh, – I mean, it's just something – I'll never forget him doing that for me. So the second time go around – you know, I'm obviously a nervous wreck. It's it's something I've been dreaming of my, you know, ever since I started to realize that, dude, you're going to make it back here. You're going to be the guy to do this. You're, you're going to make it back. <clears throat> um, to finally have it in my hands. Um, and the way the outing went, you know, I, I, I walked, uh, walked the first guy I faced on four, four straight balls. And then I, then I go two zero on, on the pitcher. And I was like, this is not, you know, not the way I, I had it uh, pictured. Um, but obviously the outing, um, you know, everyone knows how the rest of the outing went. And I'm just walking off the mound, just grateful, humbled. Um, it just, all the work that you put in, it, it, uh, it makes it worth it, you know? It makes uh, – it makes that moment worth it. You know, everyone that's, that's been behind me um, this whole time, you know, obviously the nationals have been behind me the whole time supporting me, um, my wife and family and just, just everyone. And the, it just, it just hits me like, Holy crap. Like you, you did it. You look, this is, this is what you've been working for this whole time and you accomplished it. Um, it's just, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced. Obviously, with what I've been through is, is if you can literally wake up every morning counting your blessings and being thankful for what you have, not what you don't have, um, but wake up with a positive attitude and with, with a goal, with, 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 with something on your, on your mind or, or what you want to accomplish for that day. And knowing that in the back of your mind that life could be worse, things could be worse for you, you know, um, you might have it as, you know, you might think that you have the worst possible situation. You might have been dealt the worst cards, but in all actuality, you don't. There are actually people in this world that have it a lot worse than um and that's kind of the mindset that I had. Um, and I tried to, that one day at a time. I know it sounds crazy, but literally you, you can't focus on yesterday. You can't worry about tomorrow because that's tomorrow. If you can literally focus on today and be in the present moment at every possible chance you can, just trying to be in, in that present moment, 
and try to get a little bit better today, then it's going to work out for you. No matter, no matter, no matter what's going on. Um, hard work truly pays off. It, it really does. Um, and I'm a living, I'm living proof of that, that hard work pays off. And if you put your mind and your, and your full heart at whatever you want to accomplish, you can do, you can literally do anything. And I'm a living example of that. It really is just a remarkable story. And these are the types of things that I really do make us love sports. We don't always think about this side of sports, but it, these are the stories that we do love to hear. Uh, Dr. Sunil Budrani is the CEO of Innovation Health and has some takeaways on how Aaron's story is relatable to everyone facing difficult circumstances. You know, what's really interesting about Aaron Barrett's story is this comeback, this resiliency um, theme that he has shown himself. Um, like I've always said, he probably surprised himself like we do ourselves many times in, in our comeback stories. And what happens in these typical kind of comeback stories and his is surely not typical is people grow stronger and they go better. But not only did he have that internal and physical fortitude to come back and come back strong, but he had the support system to encourage him that there was nothing he couldn't do. So I always say, even right now in the challenging time we are in a pandemic, in the end of the day, we really are all in this together. And that's how we win together as a team. Being an emergency room doctor in the region for more than 20 years has given me some very clear insight in medical disease and clinical treatment, especially in the face of the pandemic. But also being a healthcare leader in the region, overseeing the public and population health of the DC metro region has made me gain a greater appreciation for sports teams, school systems, businesses, health systems, first line responders, everyone that has to deal with the challenges of their health, both physical and mental during this pandemic. As a result, when I hear stories like Aaron Barrett, I think they're not only inspirational on the sports field, mm -hmm. but they're actually very inspirational on the field of life where we can learn a lot in our own doings, whether it's at home or at work to better ourselves. You know, one of the things, Chase, that I try to bring up when I can, and certainly not to the depth that Aaron Barrett did, but like the mental side of sports, the human side of sports. And I, I think people forget that a lot, though it's, it's changing some because now with social media, fans at least feel like they know athletes maybe more than they do. But the overall, just like what goes on in, in an athlete's personal life or when it comes to recovering from injuries or tragedies in their lives, all of these things kind of gets forgotten. And, and, and so much of that is, is, I think, a shock to people when they start to hear more of the details of what somebody's gone through. And I think it's good, and I think there should be more of this conversation. Yeah, really honest introspection from Aaron Barrett. And it's just amazing because you can hear the emotion in his voice. And I think that's remarkable because this isn't the first time he's detailed this experience. And it's still just such an emotional thing to look back on for him. Um, you know, I would have guessed that he's already talked through it so many times that he could 
talk about it without, you know, almost crying, but that clearly is not the case. Um, the story he told about reaching the majors for the first time and Ian Desmond kind of taking him aside and telling him to soak it in. That was really cool. I hadn't heard that story before. And, um, you know, Ian Desmond was a very popular player among fans and he was a great guy to deal with in the clubhouse. So it doesn't surprise me that he did that. Um, and then also it was just really interesting to hear the perspective he gained from the experience. Aaron Barrett uh, calling himself essentially a living example of hard work and um, that paying off and, and knowing other people have it worse than you, even on your, your worst days. And then uh, to stay positive, I just all, all the things that he said, I feel like, you know, could be applied to anything in life. You know, uh, no one has a great day every day. And Aaron Barrett, um, even through, you know, being a professional baseball player and making a lot of money, had some tough, tough days where he had to remind himself that. And he saw it through on the other end, through something that was extremely difficult to deal with. So um, I feel like anyone who hears that, you know, even whether you're a sports fan or not, can be inspired by it. Yeah, it, it was. it's great to hear it. It's good that more and more athletes are starting to come out and talk about this because I think it makes everybody else more comfortable hearing it. And, and maybe if they're experiencing anything like that, it's, you know, it, it's something that certainly makes it a lot easier for them. Uh, we transition, I guess, kind of awkwardly because it's like serious to hopefully fun, but that's the only way that we can do this. You, sir, will walk us off first, Chase. I am a pop socket guy now. I have a pop socket. Do you know Are what a pop you? socket is? Yes, my wife is obsessed with them and has about 10. But I have a it's... problem with them, and I'll tell you why in a minute, but I'll let you go through first. Okay. Uh, for the listeners who don't know what a pop socket is, it's like the little circle you put on the back of your phone, and it pops out, and it, you can use it to, like, grip your phone, or in my case, is like a stand for streaming. I love streaming games on my phone, like whether it be an NFL game or, like, a major league baseball playoff game you know if I'm watching I like to watch two games at once sometimes or like you know watch a show and stream a game at the same time on like a Monday night if it's Monday night football and you know you can't prop your phone up very easily without one of these so um, it got to the point where I was like all right I need a pop socket and I realized that I had in my work backpack a giveaway from like a Wizards game from like last season it's an Ish Smith pop socket uh, he's the yes. backup point guard for the Wizards in case you don't know <laughs> and now every time I, I look at my phone, I see Ish Smith. He's probably the nicest athlete I've ever covered or ever known. He's a hilarious guy. Watches Everybody Loves Raymond yeah. before NBA games. I wrote a story on that last year. <laughs> really funny dude. Extremely down to earth. And now he's helping me prop up my phone when I stream games. And it's great. I'm, here's the problem with pop sockets. For most of them, you can't wirelessly charge your phone. They get in the way or you have to take it off. Now, there are some out there that you can try and they have some wireless, you know, charging pads that are supposed to make that work. My wife got one and that thing heated up her phone so fast we thought it was going to catch on fire. Really? So I love pop sockets. I love the concept. I love exactly what you pointed out. Although, Chase, there's a million other ways you can prop up your phone. It's really not that hard, but I can I can give you some pointers if you'd like to learn how to prop up your phone. But you can't wirelessly charge your phone. And now every phone can be charged on a wireless charging pad. Anything that's been made in the last like three or four years, at least has that capability. So I won't get one until it's really easy for me to plot my phone. Cause it's the best thing in the world. Chase is to like, before I'm going to go to bed, I'll have to plug in my phone, find the wire, any of that. Nope. I just plop it down. Right. Wow, on that what charging what pad an arduous to task to plug in your phone, to charge it. Oh my God. Exactly. What an inconvenience. Chase. 
let me tell you something. My house now has two thermostats that are controlled by robots. My garage door opener is controlled by an app. I have a front door that's the ring doorbell so I can see everybody that's there and I can unlock my door from my phone. Everything is controlled by apps. I like technology and I like simplicity and I want the robots to do all the work for me. Well, just so you know, foreign governments and aliens are listening to all of your conversations, all right? Good. You know what they're going to hear conversations about? Brad Hand being the, the closer for the Nationals <laughs> and whether pop sockets are worth buying. So trust me, I got nothing to hide from foreign governments. That's for sure. And if the aliens are listening, they're going to be bored too and be like, we don't need to go down there. There's nothing interesting. So trust me, I'm just fine when it comes to that. We'll By the way, good. pop sockets, one of those things that I wish I invented, man. I mean, they probably don't yeah. cost anything and you don't I didn't buy this one. I can't imagine that they sell them for very much. But whoever made the pop socket probably made some money off of it. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, so I remember, so I worked at Dick's Sporting Goods in college for like a year. And you know how Crocs are like a huge thing still. They were, I don't know if these other things that go on them are still huge. They were called giblets, where they were little like decorations that would go in the holes of the Crocs. It was like for little it's kids. like flare? Some mom and, what's that? It's like flare? From office yeah, space? Yeah, I guess, yeah. You need at least 10 pieces of flair. Yeah. You have to have at least 10 pieces of flair. <laughs> but the, so I guess some mom invented them because she was putting stickers on her kids' Crocs and her husband was like, you should totally market these. And then they made millions of dollars. So that's another thing. Giblets. That's what they're called. Stupid. Anyway, my walk-off is simple. I finally have to suck it up and buy a new car because I've had nothing but car problems over the last few days. And I have tried to not have to go through the the situation of buying a car and I'm gonna do we almost broke down on 50 on Saturday I've had this Volkswagen Jetta GLI it's a 2012 I've had the thing paid off for four years it's been a hoss it's done so much commuting for me I love it it's so much fun to drive and it is the other day we're driving and it starts sputtering I'm like what's going on check engine lights flashing and when it's flashing that's not a good thing check engine light flashing is the not thing you want to see and then the EPC light came on which it's something electrical with the accelerator and I'm like son of a bitch, this is going to be a problem. So I had to get it home. It could not go below 3,000 RPMs because it would just start to sputter. So luckily it's a manual. That's why I love it because they don't make any cars in a manual anymore. I'm a psycho that's literally driven a manual my entire life, Chase, and I sit in traffic every day. I don't know why. I just love it. But I had to just ride that thing on high RPMs and I'm just dropping it down gears, barely making it home. I'm going to finally have to do it because it's affected my commute now. Now that I'm actually going back into the studio, I'm like, I guess I'm going to have to suck it up and buy a new car. So I'm back wow. on the market for a car. Good thing you made it home. And that's pretty amazing because I had a VW Passat that uh, just died during the pandemic. Like I didn't even oh, really? drive it. I didn't even drive it. And then I drive it to my parents' house and the check engine lights flashing and I take it to the shop and they're like, yeah, you need a new engine. Like water is leaked into your engine. I got a second opinion like I had like 75,000 miles on it, but I love, oh, wow. I loved the VW so much that I think whenever I do buy a car, I'm going to get another one. Yeah. And, and it's get the definition of insanity, expecting a different result, but I'm yeah. still going to do it. No, man, those things last. I know that happened to you. I got a, I have twice as many miles on this car. I have just been like, my wife got a new car. We got a new SUV before. And I was like, just do it. Just get it. I'm going to keep driving this thing. I love this car. So I'm really disappointed. I'm not one of those people that buys a new car, like every couple of years. I'm like, I'm going to get my money's worth out of this because it is a depreciating asset and I'm not going to make a cent off this. So I might as well ride that thing into the ground, which clearly is what I'm doing. So I'll have to get a new car at some point. Maybe I just, I'll, maybe I just I'll had to take myself. a hit and, and like accept like 700 bucks for it, even though it was probably worth much more than that.
Yep. Yeah. Uh, if if it had an engine, but it didn't have an engine, so just take it off my hands. Yeah. Right. That's that's pretty much how it goes. If you haven't subscribed to the National Stock Podcast, make sure you do because we have a new one every single week, and probably next week the Nationals will sign somebody else. Hopefully, somebody at third base. So Carter Keboom's not the starting third baseman. That'll make Chase sad, <laughs> but it'll make me very happy. Also, we might talk about pop sockets again. You never know. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>